Chapter Thirteen of The Lady in Blue by Augusta Groner, translated by Grace Isabel Colbron. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Goldie Boy, Mueller returned to the Gray House at four o'clock and went up to Ossip's room, the one formerly occupied by the mysterious Tony. The first thing that drew his attention was a badly torn and very wet white kid glove hanging in the window to dry. I found it caught on a root about ten yards downstream from the footbridge, explained Ossip. There's a piece missing, but I couldn't find it. Did you search this room thoroughly? Mueller gave the glove a careful examination as he spoke. Yes, sir, but there isn't a thing that could be of any use to us. I feared as much. This Tony had all her wits about her. Mueller looked around the room. I've never wasted much time in wishing that walls might talk, but I do now. Oh, Mr. Mueller, they do talk for you. Hello, what's all that noise down there? What's the excitement? Mueller threw the window wide open and leaned out. Ossip was beside him. A child's fallen into the river, he exclaimed, turning quickly and throwing off his coat as he ran from the room. Mueller, from the window, watched his young assistant tear out of the gate, stop to loosen and kick off his shoes, and then plunge into the swiftly flowing stream, swimming with powerful strokes towards a blotch of pink that rose and fell with the movement of the water. Mueller walked downstairs calmly. Ossip was an excellent swimmer. If he could reach the child in time, it was safe. Buchner and Mrs. Diesler had preceded him, and the gardener was among those who helped draw the young Russian and the unconscious child to the bank. "'It's all right now, I think,' said Ossip when he saw Mueller. The boy himself was bleeding from a bad knee wound that showed red and raw through the hole in his torn trouser leg. They disentangled themselves from the group around the little form on the grass when they saw the child's eyes open again. Buchner and Mrs. Diesler joined them, the housekeeper loud in her praise of Ossip's quickness and courage. Both she and the gardener busied themselves around him, binding up his wound with skillful care. Suddenly Mrs. Diesler looked up and turned to Mueller. Did you leave the windows open upstairs, sir? There's one slamming now. How can it slam? There's no wind. Still a moment. Mueller raised his hand and listened, stopping Mrs. Diesler's alarmed exclamation with a determined gesture. There's someone upstairs. We all went out and left everything open. Buchner, go outside and watch the windows of the corner room. No, you stay here, Ossip. Guard the stairway. Mueller was running upstairs softly but quickly, almost before the last words were spoken. Buchner stood dazed, but Ossip shoved him to the door. Do as he tells you, quick. It may be important. Give me that poker, Mrs. Diesler. Oh, what is it? whispered the frightened woman. Maybe the man we're looking for. We can leave it to Mr. Mueller to get him, if it is he but we won't let him run past us here. Upstairs, Mueller stood in the doorway of the corner room, watching the broad back of a sturdily built, blonde young man who was absorbed in his ransacking of the desk drawers. There was such a look of healthy young strength about the figure before him that the veteran detective put one hand in his pocket, loosening the revolver he always carried from its fastenings in the coat lining. "'Good afternoon,' he remarked casually. The man wheeled and confronted him, backing up against the desk. As Mueller had suspected, it was the young man he had seen in the hotel lobby. He was scowling now and looking decidedly threatening. "'May I ask what you are doing here?' continued Mueller calmly. "'What business is that of yours?' replied the man sullenly. "'I am in charge here by order of the present lessee of this property, Baron Walroth.' "'Oh, you're his agent, eh?' "'Yes, and as such, I ask what you are doing here, and by what right you are ransacking that desk.' I didn't steal anything. I'm looking for my own property. Indeed, something you forgot? Something you left here? 
Mueller moved a step nearer, his fingers tightening around the handle of his revolver. But the man opposite him did not move. He looked up in a sort of surly surprise. Forgot? How could I forget it when I haven't found it yet? Mueller took his hand from his pocket. The tension of his attitude relaxed a trifle, but his keen eyes still studied the flushed, scowling face confronting him. May I ask how any property of yours came to be here in these rooms? Because I— well, aren't letters supposed to be the property of the person who writes them? Yes, I think it is a point of law. It certainly is a point of ethics. You are looking for a package of letters written by you to Miss Lehman? Maybe I can help you there. Did your master send you here to snoop around and poke into a poor girl's past? Why can't he let her rest in her grave? He'd better not have too much investigating done, or he might find several reasons why she preferred death to marriage with him. Fool! Does he think that just because he has money and a title, he can buy a girl like that and keep her heart for himself? He broke off, set his teeth, and turned aside to avoid the eyes that seemed to burn into his. Don't be so excited, young friend. Mueller's tone was calm and kindly. You are doing Baron Walroth an injustice in several ways. Let's sit down and talk calmly. What about? Matters that interest you. Are you Goldie Boy? The man flushed, but did not answer. If you are, you may have your letters, I think. You found them? Give them to me. He followed on Mueller's heels as the detective went into the bedroom. Mueller unlocked the lacquered box and took out the package of letters. The young man started when he saw them and made a sudden snatch at them. One moment, please, said the detective. I have some questions to ask you first. Suppose I don't answer. Suppose I take them from you by force. They are my property. No one has any right to them since she is dead. You'd better give them to me. His lips curved threateningly. You would have a ghost of a chance against me. Oh, yes, replied Mueller, whose right hand had again slipped into his pocket. Because, unless you are transgressing the law of the land, you are not armed, and I am. Then you are transgressing the law? No, I have an official right to carry arms, as a member of the police force. The young man fell back with a start. Police? Why should that man send police here? What does he mean by this? Please sit down said Mueller firmly, sitting down himself and pushing forward a chair for the other. There is more to this case than you appear to think. If you will act like a sensible man and answer a few simple questions, I think, yes, I really do believe that you will leave here with your letters in your possession again. That depends upon your answers to my questions. But I can assure you, for your own comfort, that no one but myself has seen these letters, and that Baron Walroth does not know of their existence, and probably never will. The young man stood motionless a moment, but could not resist a deep breath of relief. Then he threw himself down into his chair. "'Your name?' asked Mueller, as the other did not speak. "'George Branchley, traveling salesman with Haas Brothers in Vienna. You knew Elise Lehman well?' Branchley nodded without looking up. "'You read those letters?' "'Exactly. That answers that question. How long had you known her?' "'About a year, but it was only the last six months that—that that we'd been such friends.' And you didn't like the idea of giving her up? Don't see how that concerns you. It may concern the reason for my being here. Answer, please. Did you know her, Elise? No, Mueller could not resist a faint smile. But I hear she was very handsome. She was a wonder, a stunner, and when she cared for a man... I see. Did you want to marry her? Branchley started up with an oath. I'm not going to stand for any such... Oh, yes, you are. Come now, man to man, answer my question. 
You must know something of how things go in the world if you belong to the police force. You ought to know that a fellow like me can't afford to marry that kind of girl. Sooner or later she was bound to land some rich fool, and then she'd shake the rest of us. You are quite sensible. Then I take it you did not have any illusions about her. You did not care for her sufficiently to go to any length to stop this marriage? Branchley looked frankly bewildered. What do you mean? Why do you think Elise Lehman killed herself? Branchley hesitated. Maybe she found she didn't want to marry him after all. Because she cared for someone else? asked Mueller. Branchley nodded without looking up. My dear young friend, continued the detective, if you know anything about the world and about what you call that sort of girl, if you knew anything about this particular girl whom you think you loved, do you think she cared for you enough to choose death rather than marriage with another? Be honest with yourself. I'm going to ask a question now which will probably annoy you, but a good deal depends for you on your answer. So be sensible and answer it. I will say in advance that Baron Walroth will never know what your answer has been. No one but myself will know. Mueller's tone was so grave that the young man looked up in a slight alarm. The detective continued. Don't you feel sure, knowing Elise Lehman and her affection for you, that even as Baroness Walroth she might have found a chance to meet you now and then? And would you not have taken advantage of that chance? Branchley sprang to his feet. I'm not going to answer any such questions. That's my own affair, and hers, and no one else's, and— And the more you give way to that violent temper of yours, the worse it will be for you cut in Mueller. I know it doesn't put either you or the dead girl in a very good light, but we're all human. She is dead. It cannot harm her now. And as for yourself, wouldn't you rather be thought a bit of a cad than to be arrested under suspicion of murder? Murder? Yes, I know that Elise Lehman did not kill herself. She was murdered or killed by some man, presumably some discarded lover. Branchley's face worked. He did not speak for a moment. Then, in an outburst of mingled jealousy and rage, he exclaimed, Then there were others, and she told me I was the only one that she really cared for, the only one she hated to give up when she married the Baron. God, but you can't trust any one of them. Not a woman, but will lie to a man any time, and all the time. Then there was someone else who thought he was the only one? Poor gump. Thanks, you have told me just what I wanted to know, said Mueller after a pause. Now, perhaps you can help me find that other one. I am a detective put on this case by Baron Walroth to find the man who killed his promised wife. He knows? You're sure he doesn't just think that to save his face? I know, after what I have seen and heard here. Murdered? Good God! Poor girl! And yet, if she lied to others, as she did to me, you think a man might be carried away in a moment of desperation, would you? I? Lord, did you think I? Branchley's sturdy frame quivered for a moment and he stared at Mueller, his eyes wide. Well, your letters made you my first thought, and you know you have a nasty temper. But I never. I wasn't anywhere near here. I saw the notice in the paper. Then why were you so anxious to get your letters back? I didn't want the Baron to find them. Anyway, there wasn't any name on them. Then why did you want to get them back? Branchley hesitated. His eyes drooped. I... I didn't want him to think any the worse of her. Man alive! Don't be so ashamed of the best impulse you've shown since we've been talking here. It seemed sort of silly. Yes, we're inclined to hide our good impulses and boast of the meanest ones. No, I do not think you are the man I am looking for. Here are your letters. You have not seen Elise Lehman since she and you parted in Linz on May 5th? No, 
Branchley glanced hastily at the letters and slipped them into his pocket. Come here. This may comfort you. Mueller led him to the little desk calendar open at May 5th and pointed out the line of writing at the bottom of the leaf. You see, she kept that date. Yes, but who? Who? The other may have been as jealous of you as of the Baron. Have you any idea who he is? We know that he is a man of normal height and size. By the way, that lets you out, for you are noticeably sturdy. He is between twenty-five and forty, and he is left-handed. You are not. I have seen that. But I tell you, I— Branchley turned with a start. He had been looking at the calendar and seemed only just now to grasp the import of the detective's words. We detectives have to convince ourselves, said Mueller with a smile. Now tell me, did you know the dead woman's maid, whom she engaged in Lintz? Why, no. Elise told me she had a new maid, but she did not say much about her. I saw the girl once or twice, rather good-looking, I thought, but standoffish for a servant. Hm. yes. And you don't know of any other man? No. Branchley was surly again, his wounded vanity uppermost. Do you know of any gossip? There was some talk in the cafes lately about a duel between the Baron and some other chap, some other rich young fellow, about Elise. I asked her, but she said it wasn't true. They said the other chap had been a friend of hers, too. He was badly wounded and went away. Have you ever been to Italy? No, they keep me in this country. I don't speak Italian, so I'd be of no use to the firm there. Thanks. No, Mr. Branchley, you are not under suspicion. Will you let me know of anything you hear and see that might bring some light into this affair? And otherwise, please say nothing about it. Why, certainly. By the way, Elise had a brother, stepbrother, Hubert Lohr. Yes, I know. Do you know him? No. He and Elise weren't over-friendly. He was sort of uppish and wanted her to live like a nun, far as I can make out. She wasn't going to stand for any such nonsense. But he may know more about her other friends. Yes, I think I'll ask him about them. It can do no harm. Oh, dear me. Mueller went to the window and leaned out. It's all right, Buchner. You may go back to your work. Tell the others. The gentleman is coming down with me. What's that all about? You had constables? Oh, dear no. Only the gardener and my young assistant. You see, you came in rather unconventionally. Well, you all went out and left all the doors open. I didn't see anybody to announce me. Branchley grinned in spite of his serious eyes. There, didn't I tell you we'd be good friends, said Mueller, holding out his hand. The young man's eyes turned towards the desk again. But it's terrible. Yes. Still, isn't it better than that she should have taken her own life, even if it does hurt you? You're right. Branchley turned towards the door. No need of my staying here any longer, is there? No, nor of my staying either. Mueller went downstairs with Branchley, nodding to the watchful Ossip on a bench by the door. They went out to the gate. Mueller waited there after the other had gone on, for he saw Commissioner Senfeld approaching. Who was that? asked Senfeld. Another false clue, answered Mueller a bit ruefully. That was Goldie Boy, and he is as innocent as you and I, and knows as little about it, which is a sad confession for us to make. I've had to make so many confessions in this affair that I haven't a bit of shame left, laughed Senfeld. Can't he give you any help? No, the girl played her cards well. This man was the lover she threw over to marry the Baron, but he does not know of any other man except himself and the Baron in her life. The mystery deepens with everything we find out. But what brings you here? I phoned the hotel. They told me you were out. We found the valise. Ah, where? Just as you thought, in the pond behind the artillery barracks. 
They dredged the pond and found it, weighted with stones. Well, that only confirms our surmise that the man we seek changed his clothes, with Tony's help, just before they hailed the cab. It does not tell us any more than we know already, nor does it tell us who this man is, or who and what Tony really is. But you'll find out, said Senfield cheerily. Mueller shrugged his shoulders. I'll have a look at the pond. He had already examined it earlier in the day after talking to the cabman. He found no new clue now. The veteran detective set his lips and threw his head sharply erect. I will not give in, not yet, he murmured. I may be growing old, but I can still do my work. He gave Ossip final instructions and money, cautioning the lad to take care of his wounded knee. Then he packed his own grip and studied the railway guide. No, Vienna first, then Italy. Hubert Lohr must be able to give me some clue. End of chapter 13